0: And to me, that's what fathers do, is they say, it's time for the kids to figure it out. And that's a sense of masculinity. You can can solve your own issue. And sometimes uh, people wonder, why are kids so entitled? And the reason why, in my opinion, is because they're raised with a feminist mystique about it. Everything is given and supported. They're never really figure it out for yourself kind of kids
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the salty pastor podcast a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith it is a journey that you must go on it is not an optional side quest it is something that you are either doing or not doing you're either growing or shrinking and we want to encourage you in your growth. We want to come alongside you in mm-hmm. your growth. We do constantly say that ultimately your faith is your own, but that does not mean you can't have outside encouragement yeah. and advice don't go in it that long. journey. Yeah. Don't go it alone. That's what mm-hmm. this whole series is about. Yep. So, um, we are talking about that and that's what we want the Salty Pastor to be all about. We don't want you to be shallow in your faith. We want you nope. to be deep, deep in your faith, deep in your faith and Strong. my, and that's part of the Salty Pastor goal. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host. And we cannot do this without the salty pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peake. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody. And, Jesse, speaking of journeys, you just
0: returned from a long journey. I did.
1: I went all the way over to Israel, and man, was that an amazing experience. <laughs> I just, the, I'm, it's going to take me like three months just to like decompress all of the information I took in. Absorb and the it all. Yeah. And that's, you know, I feel like I've come back more enlightened and context, <laughs> right? The context is the biggest thing. Yeah. It wasn't that God necessarily you know, opened up a cloud to me and spoke down to me while <laughs> yeah. I was over there. But you know, it, I hate this phrase, but the, it came alive, right? It came like alive. everything, yeah. everything isn't just this ephemeral idea of yeah. a Bible story. It's like, no, I, I saw the the trail that Jesus probably walked to go visit his mom when he was doing his ministry, I saw, you know, the rough area of where all of the things happened during his passion. Like these things have physical locations that I saw and, and that makes a huge amount of
0: context suddenly clear. And, and I think that, you know, what's, what's great about that is, uh, it kind of speaks to the, the salty pastor approach and that is, is that the purpose of you going on that trip was for your own personal growth. Mm -hmm. It was your personal pilgrimage. You did the work, you paid the money, so to speak. You, you did the traveling, but you did it in a group of other people, right? And you did it with a leader and a mentor who knew where to go and what to say. And, and that's what the Salty Pastor is all about is that as our goal is to mentor and to coach and to lead and to guide, you know, but in the end it's, it's It's for your journey. It's still your journey and we want you. It's a, it's a partnership that the Salty Pastor tries to form. And so that's why what we do is we tend to share a lot of uh, context. We try to bring it alive. We try to, you know, but we want to get you in it so that you, it's your experience, right? Yeah. With In faith. Because at any you point grow. I could
1: have just stayed in the hotel and chosen to not participate or or engage, right? And there's Correct. a lot of Christians these days. That that's what they're doing with their faith is they're like you have the opportunity to go out and grow and you just sit in the hotel room and you know yeah. turn on you're not engaged
0: turn on really bad Israeli soap operas yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I bet they're terrible so well we're in our uh, final series you know we did a couple weeks without you and uh we missed you immensely about it's called Desperado and I'm trying to answer the question why men uh go it alone they have questions about their life they're wondering if who they are and what they're called to be has any value in our society anymore Mm. men going their own way and so there's been a lot of these questions i think it's you know as every time we do a series on men it seems to strike a nerve and well i think it's almost a chord
1: and maybe not necessarily a nerve for some people it might be a nerve but i think it's a chord it's something that we're realizing it has to be brought up you're you're restating something that you know, even the first week when we, when Justin sang that Eagle song "Desperado," yes, they started speaking to these gaps that men are feeling and choosing to, I guess, believe in who they're supposed to be. Yeah. Years ago, right? The Eagles sang about this this deep longing for not wanting to be alone. You need Correct. to stop riding the fences by yourself, mm-hmm. and the secular world's even talking about it, but they're 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 trying to solve it in the wrong way. Yeah. Well, they're the the main reason why men are (laughs) going their
0: own way. It's just so ridiculous. And so the first Sunday, you know, we talked about how since male and female are created in the image of God, this means the masculine is well as a feminine, but the masculine is a reflection of God's image within us. Um, however, that masculine soul just like the feminine soul has been tainted by sin. And so we have to kind of be aware of that and how that impacts us. Right? Yes. And then the second thing is, is that our society though, has today, at least for the last 30 or 40 years, is, try, is deceiving males into believing that masculinity is the problem. Well, and they've gotten to a point, I kind of talked
1: about this on Sunday, They've they've convinced us long enough that they don't even have to necessarily say it anymore. We're self-enforcing that ideology yeah, on ourselves. Yeah, right? exactly. Like we're we're binding ourselves up with that own rope. They don't even have to hold it anymore. They're like, yeah. here, you hold this now. Yeah. And we're self-enforcing that ideology in ourselves of well, we're the problem. We're toxic. Yeah. We're the issue. So I I can't do anything. And we start getting passive, right? We, yeah. And I, we I was disconnect. just
0: listen, exactly. And I was just listening to a guy just recently talking about. It. He's a philosopher, and th- these are really big ideas. Upstream ideas when you first articulate them, people are offended by them. And I mm. say, well, if you're offended by these ideas, it's because you've been, if I may be salty, infected by feminist ideology mm. and you don't realize it. There's so many ways we've been taken in like Colossians two We've been taken captive by hollow and empty philosophies that rely upon the traditions of our society, our culture. And this is one, and that is, is that well, a lot, what a lot of men are told when they're married, you know, when you have kids is, is, well, I need help. And so they say, well, if you're a good father, you, you know, change the diapers, feed the baby, drop them off at school. And stuff. not, and I'm not saying that there isn't a partnership that you do and you guys work that out, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, is his, this is his point. If you are just simply feeding, helping to feed, change diapers, clothe, baby, and drop off to school, the kid, all you're being is a second mom.
1: Well, you're really, you're almost just being hired help, yeah. is all you're, you're really just, doing, right? Yeah, his
0: point is, is what does a father actually do? Articulate that to me. And this is his point. When you say to guys, what's a good father? They go, well, I help out around the house, I help cook, I help with the baby, I help da da da. And, I go, and his point is, that's how. F- that's how far off we've gotten that we don't even know how to articulate a good father. All we do is we say to men, be a second mom. And that makes you a good father. And he goes, it's not that those things aren't important. Those feminine qualities are critical, but when you lose masculinity, it create, cause what the father is supposed to do is the father is supposed to train masculinity. Here's a perfect example. I was looking, uh, watching a video of, an uh, Asian father, right? And he was sitting in at the table and right next to him was his, uh, two-year-old toddler. It was a boy. And then right on the other side of him was his mom. Mm -hmm. Right. And what happened is they're sitting at the table and this little two-year-old sitting in a big chair, not a high chair. And so dad is eating, you know, his noodles or whatever. And the, the toddler falls off the chair. Right? So mom gets up and comes around to pick the toddler up and get back on the chair and the dad pushes her away. He just holds her hand. He holds his hand out and he goes, and he looks down and he goes, he signals up. And so the toddler boy climbs back up into the chair, right? Mm -hmm. And then the mom sits down and wants to reach over and get him his food and everything like that. And he, he puts his hand up to push her away. And what he's saying is let him figure it out. And, and to me, that's what fathers do is they say it's time for the kids to figure it out. And father, that, that's a sense of masculinity. You can, you can solve your own issue. And sometimes the, uh, people wonder why are kids so entitled? And the reason why, in my opinion, is because they're raised with a feminist mystique about it. Everything is given and supported. They're never really figure it out for yourself kind of kids.
1: Well, and uh, so what I'm hearing you say is very specifically: men have kind of just been relegated to this idea of, of almost a, a nanny, right? Like we want you to help with doing all these little mean domestic tasks, things, which, which is not inherently a bad thing. No, but that's where they want it to stop. Correct. The feminist ideology has said that's the, that's the extent we want you to help. Anything past that, as far as how you should engage in how we raise or how, how they learn or, mm-hmm. or the ideas that they should be having, or even the idea of letting them figure it out. Like anything that has to do with that masculine qualities, we don't want any help with. So a yeah. good father is, is relegated to,
0: do you cook? Do you help change the diapers? Yeah. Do you Are you show a up? second mom? Yeah. I mean, but see, and here's the issue is that our sense of value, you know, of being loved, and And needing to be loved is feminine in nature, right? Mm-hmm. and And your mom makes you feel that way, you know, I love you so I love you no matter what. I'm here to help you and care for you and there um, empathy, which is very important to masculinity, is learned from our moms and and stuff like that. But the issue of self-respect is learned from your father. It's a masculine quality. And when you are a girl, right? And you grow up with a masculine father. As a female, you will have more self-respect than girls who grow up without a father. And this is proven in research. Okay, so your sense of your own value and the, your sense of self-respect is so much higher. Research shows when you have a masculine father in your life, young men when they grow up with a masculine father, what do they have? Self-respect they have confidence they have a can do attitude and and i think that we need to bring this ethos back. And the only way to do that is it will never be found in society. You're never going to see a model of that in the media or on sitcoms or in movies or any of those kinds of things. Uh, you're not going to see it at the university level. You're not going to get that attitude in uh, public education and half of the private schools. You're not going to get it there either. You know, uh, it, The only place to get it is to be around other men who are masculine and understand the importance of a fatherhood, the importance of masculinity for society at large. And so, you know, this this final week, what we want to really discuss is that if you don't have a group of masculine men around you, you're going to be stumbling in the dark trying to figure it out you know, and if I may be so bold as it's, you've kind of talked a little bit about this in your own experience. You know, you grew up, you didn't have a father and then you go to college, you go off on the road, you're working out in all these other areas and you start, and then you start, and then you get a job here and you're working here and you're not working around perfect men at all, but you're working around a lot of fairly masculine guys. I'm working (laughs) around men that
1: are attempting to, that their goal is to be authentic masculine men, right? I I spent a lot of time after, especially after I left, you know, my my hometown because I was in a church there. And a lot of the things I learned about being a man initially, even just how to shave was from like my male youth leader and and men at my church who stepped up to take me hunting and do things like that. But once I left, I no longer had those influences in my life, right? I was in college where there's definitely a bent to what masculinity is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on the road with a bunch of... um, Artistic people who <laughs> theater the, people, theater people, and they've been strongly influenced by what is quote unquote masculine and okay to express, right? Yeah, and so it's like th- I was surrounding myself with people who were not going to encourage me to grow in authentic, godly manhood, right? Mm-hmm. I was surrounding myself with people that were all being force fed and believing what the world mm-hmm. is telling them masculinity. Yes. So even in the short time that I've been here at Foothills which I spent a lot more time in college and on the road than I've been at foothills, my growth has been significant in my understanding of authentic masculinity Uh and what that looks like and how different it is. And is supposed to be from what the world tells you it is supposed to be.
0: Yeah. And I I think what's really powerful about that is, you know, for guys it's who you're, who you're around, you know um, who you're spending your time with because so much more is caught than taught. Absolutely. You know, it's just oh, this is how they approach this situation. Uh, it would have been approached this way in another circumstance, and you're like, oh wow. Oh, and this is what it means, you know. Oh, they they don't give up. They they stick to. Oh, right. so you're learning more and more of these masculine qualities, yeah, right?
1: And you see that in, I mean. I, I talked about this, um, I've been reading the Atomic Habits book, Pastor yeah. Harv recommended mm-hmm. a couple yeah. years ago, and I finally have gotten around to reading it, <laughs> but in it, even in the secular ideology of, of creating a good habit, it's surround yourself with people who exhibit the qualities you want to have. Right. Yes. And that's a secular idea, but it's the same idea God put out thousands yeah. of years ago saying you need to be in community with the people that are going to focus on the things that are godly, not with the people that are off making sheep idols. Yeah. And we saw how that went up on Mount Carmel. Right? Yeah, and so that did like, go so well. So that's the, the idea has been there for a long time. The secular world's yeah. kind of touching on it, but
0: yeah. it's, it's well, true. Always, it's like this if you I, surround yourself with smokers, you're probably going to choose to smoke. Yeah. Well, I always say that whenever the world has a great idea, they stole it from God. Yeah. And then they a, just leave it, his name it, off. Yes. <laughs> (laughs) It's plagiarism at its It's finest. It's plagiarism at its finest. Yeah. God copyrighted that. Because you see this theme all the way through, you know, we always talk about in the Old Testament, like in the book of Genesis, when Abraham left, you know, the land of Ur and went to, a lot of people forget that he went with Lot, you know, so... He he had a another brother who believed the same as him, and you know during Sodom and Gomorrah, he goes in and saves Lot, right? right. Uh, Lot is saved by angels. You had Moses, right, who went to help set the Israelites free from Pharaoh. But don't forget, Moses said, "I can't speak," so he had a a brother next to him, Aaron. Aaron was with him the entire time and speaking for him and in many cases. And so he was there. You had, uh, Moses had Jethro, his father-in-law, he had Joshua who he had, you know, mentored and then he trains up, but yeah. And then Joshua is the one that goes into into the promised promised land land and possesses it, you know, they, they get it. But even Joshua, it's really interesting at the very first of the book of Joshua, what happened is before they crossed the, the Jordan river, um, what happened is, and then going to Jericho is that God had said that Reuben and another tribe could have all that area on the, on east, the one side, on right? the one side. And so what he did is he said, you can stay here and be at peace, but you need to send your fighting men with me to fulfill the command of God. And so what did Reuben do? They sent all of their men with Joshua. So see Joshua didn't go alone mm-hmm. and he, all these other tribes didn't go it alone. You have, um, Gideon, you know, he had 300 faithful warriors that went into battle with him. Uh, there is uh David, uh, David and Jonathan, you know, David had 30 mighty men with him, uh, after he lost Jonathan, but originally he had Jonathan You had Peter, James, and John, you had all 12 apostles. You had Paul with Barnabas, Silas, and then Timothy. Mm. And so you see this pattern over and over and over again. The, the one that sticks out to me that is so powerful is in first Samuel chapter 14 and then chapter 18 is, is Jonathan. And what's really interesting to me is this is the way the book of Samuel lays it out is it starts with Saul, who's anointed the king. He's the first king of Israel. Mm -hmm. And he was picked because he was this guy that was six foot something, just a strapping athlete. He he looked the part. He looked the part outwardly. And you know what he said is when you don't understand authentic masculinity, you tend to adopt uh, stereotypes or characteristics of masculinity, right? Mm, But that doesn't mean that that guy's a masculine male. Well, and we see that play out
1: throughout, because once David enters the picture, we see all of this, um, insecurity develop within Saul, right? Like he, he starts getting paranoid that David's out for his job and that David's going to do these things. And it's like in all, all circumstances, Saul should be the quote unquote peak worldly view of masculinity, yeah. he should be, have full confidence in who he is. And, and he looks the party. I'm sure he was fairly attractive. I mean, yeah, he, he was, was super handsome already. and huge and he athletic had all the money. It's like, he, yeah, there's no reason he should have any inferiority mm-hmm. complex when it comes to David, who, when you first meet him, he's this, what? Like 13, 14 year old boy. That's yeah. just like all reads they, yeah. I think it kind of talks about him having acne basically when <laughs> he slays Goliath. Yeah, like he's a ruddy, he's ruddy. <laughs> yeah. Ruddy.
0: And that's what I love about the way it plays out is in in chapter fourteen. What you see of the first book of Samuel is you meet Jonathan, mm-hmm. and Jonathan was probably physically like his dad, but he he had a his deeper dad, character. Saul, for those his dad not, Saul. Who
1: yeah. are not familiar, Jonathan is right. is Saul's, is Saul's son.
0: son. And in chapter fourteen, Jonathan goes up and um kills twenty. Philistines, 20 enemies in a half acre in a little tiny area. And he actually climbs up on a hill or mountain, you know, and then does that. And that rallies everybody and they win the day and so forth. And, and the reason why Saul wasn't a masculine man and why God wanted another different King and why Samuel went and anointed David was for this very reason is that because prior to that, Saul was a rash individual. He had no non-negotiables. He only made decisions on what was convenient for the moment. Mm. And then he was so prideful and arrogant, you know, even if he made a stupid decision, he couldn't admit he was wrong. And so run it down. Oh gosh. It was so. It was childish is what it was. And so God says, my spirit is leaving Saul and then, okay. So David grows up in with a dad. Who's basically what, who, who looks the part, but he's, he's a child mm. inside. He's not a man who, uh, a man of character and non-negotiables and values and honor. So he grows up, so he has this father wound in a sense, you know, a a, a poor example of what a father is to him. So this this man is not mentoring him, right? Then what happens is in chapter 16 and 17, David shows up, he's anointed by God, and guess what happens? When Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to uh, anoint the new king of Israel, What does Jesse, his dad, do? He puts all the brothers, all of his sons, in front of Samuel, except for who? In front of
1: David. Oh, yeah. So Samuel's there to anoint. He puts everybody... It's basically the Cinderella story, right? All the stepsisters get to go put out, (laughs) and he's locked away in a closet, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: So what kind of wound did David have from his father? That he's not enough. You're not enough, right? And what's interesting is, so out there you know, in the field, he realizes God is my father, God mm. is my champion. And so he then kills Goliath. He goes to the palace. All right. And it says in chapter one, I'm sorry, verse one of chapter 18 of first Samuel, it says that when Jonathan met David, their souls were knit together. Hmm. And, and people have speculated why. Well, did their person sit? My contention is this, is because they both had the same father wound. Mm. See, they were knit together because they both had discovered that God was their father and their earthly fathers did a really poor job of it, right? Right. And so what happens is... Um, David, like you said, he did not look masculine in any way, shape, or form. You know, the, they said he looked ruddy. And some people have said, oh, that meant he was really handsome. But a lot of scholars are like, well, it's kind of... Maybe he had, you know, acne or something. <laughs>
1: right, like he was just this little scrawny... I mean, nerd has yeah. become a chic term these days. Yeah. But, you know, he you might think of kind of that, like, nerdy, wimpy kid, right? A
0: little yeah, bit. But he, was, but he was brave. His heart was so much bigger than his body. Mm. You know, and you know the old adage, you know... It's it's uh, what is it? It's not the dog who fights, but the fight and, and the, the dog, dog. Yeah. <laughs> that wins the day. And that's the whole point of seals and buds training is that we don't want to take the most athletic, we don't want to take the most you know baddest dude. We want the guys who are the most tenacious and can be bond together in a group. And so David and Jonathan are now knit together. And what happens is David he he knows god but he has no earthly wisdom about palace intrigue and politics and how to lead groups of people he was
1: just a shepherd boy <laughs> he, he was a shepherd he's, boy he's killed yeah. some
0: lions and bears and that's yeah. about the extent <laughs> that's of his that leadership I go hunting training. is up, but all this other <laughs> I, I don't know how this works so who who mentors him or encourages him and gives him advice and has him help navigate it you read all these stories about how he and jonathan had to secretly meet and talk and jonathan tells him what's going on on and blah blah right. blah and you know you see all this and what you realize it's this friendship that allows david to discover his authentic masculinity how, and how to deal with you know the other thing too is that one of the reasons saul got so jealous and wanted to kill david is because the people said to david you know oh, you're better than saul and so in, instead of Jonathan wouldn't let that go to David's head. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he, he was just a tremendous influence in him. And so I I think that David and Jonathan and their relationship is a perfect example that, that men should dig into to realize how your, you have to be around men, like you said, who are pursuing the same thing and understand what they're pursuing. Right. You know, Jonathan, of course, wasn't perfect, but that influence, even though imperfect, was so powerful and overwhelming for David. And I, I think that's really significant. And when you look into it and you dig into it and you pull out the truths of what's going on there, you find some basic principles. I'll throw a few out and then we can kind of discuss them. The first one is this, is that is that in order for men to discover, experience and walk in true masculinity they need to find men that inspire their masculine development. Right. So where do you, where can you go to find that? YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. YouTube and TikTok. Yeah. They'll turn you into a guy in the blink of an eye. They'll turn
1: you into something. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, obviously the best location is going to be within your church with men that are are pursuing Mm -hmm. God, because ultimately he's the ultimate demonstration of authentic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, sometimes it's sometimes we need demonstrations that are more at our earthly level in order to really grow from that. I, obviously there's always, you always need to be careful. You don't want to idolize a man because ultimately they are just as right broken as you are, they're going to make a mistake. And ultimately, if you put them on a pedestal, and I, this has happened to me before there's been men in my life that I've gone, oh, you're what I should be aspiring to be. Mm-hmm. But the moment you start putting them up on the pedestal and not going, well, God's doing good work in their life, but it's God, not them. Right. Then when they mess up, eventually it hurts. Cause then you're like, oh, it's reopened that father wound or mm-hmm. it's, it's, they let me down. Why is there no good men? Maybe this isn't the way it's like, you do have to keep that perspective, but you can definitely look at people like men in our church that I go. Hey, they don't have it all figured out, but they're definitely doing some things way better than I am as far as doing it right.
0: (laughs) See, that's a a problem with idolizing things and particularly idolizing people is because if you idolize somebody, you're doing that because you believe in your own heart that one day you can be that good. Mm -hmm. And then when they fall in your eyes, this is why Satan does this to us. Is they fall, then what that is, is that you have to admit to yourself that you're not a good man and you'll never be one. Mm. And, and so, but then what you have to do is you realize, oh, what I thought was good was an external judgment. Right. Uh, I, I thought they were good. And so really I was stereotyping masculinity. Right. And I, what really is going on is what are they pursuing? Right. And to me, that is the most important thing as a male that you can do is be around men, not who are perfect men, not men you want to idolize because idolization comes from the term, what idol. And what are you not supposed to have in your life? Idols, idols. (laughs) You know, we use that as a derogatory term for a reason. And that is, is that idolization is something you do, but it's a character flaw when you Mm -hmm. do it. It's a character flaw. And the character flaw is designed to trip you up. It's like I was saying on Sunday, we talked about this last week, is that what, what the world wants to do is bind you up so that it can plunder your house. And so what it does is it plays these tricks on you. And one of them is, well, you idolize people, right? And you idolize this person or you idolize that person or you idolize. And what that is, is that is a character flaw on your part because it trips you up because when you find out they're human, how do you feel? Right. Right. You feel let down. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is then you're disappointed and then you can get depressed and then you're like, why try? And I don't know, as you know, there, Jordan Peterson has a quote that I like. He says, don't ever compare yourself to somebody else. Don't ever do that. He says, compare yourself to where you were yesterday. Mm. That's it. And, and that's really, I think why you want to be around masculine men, because what you realize is that they're not trying to be perfect. And in some ways, when you're around really authentically masculine men, they know they're flawed, but they're not bent out of shape because of it. Right. Right. Um, we talked in our study of Philippians about how our righteousness is not in our own self. It's not in our own achievements. Mm -hmm. It's not in our own glory, our own activity. It's in what? knowing Christ and him alone. absolutely Right. So that's it. I think the other one is, is that you need a group of like-minded men to surround you because you're going to fall in battle. Right. Right. And you need that because you need like-minded men who understand the goal is not perfection. The goal is what get up and try again.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, pastor. I'm really excited to, um, continue talking about this. I'm pastor Harve's preaching
0: this week. Pastor Harve's going to so, preach on so, Thursday. He and I, and we're all going to sit and chat down perfect. about some of the implications of this and, uh, so, dig in.
1: I mean, I think this series just as a whole has been really inspirational for me personally, mm-hmm. I've, I've been gone for a majority of it, but I've been listening to the sermons yeah. and I think it's just so powerful in our time right now of people constantly telling you what manhood looks like, quote unquote, and God has offered you an authentic look. and sometimes we just need to be reminded of where we should be looking for our definition of authentic manhood and ultimately that we're not supposed to do it alone, right? Like this, this series has been twofold. What is authentic masculinity Mm -hmm. and how are you supposed to pursue it? And that's not alone. Don't go out there and try to figure it out by yourself because that's how you fall. That's how you get bound up again, right? If you're by yourself, it's very easy to get captured when you're in a group. There's a lot more protection, right? (laughs) Someone's got your six. Someone's got your six. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. I'm so excited to be back, and we'll Mm -hmm. see you on Thursday here at Foothills Christian Church.
0: Blessings.